Welcome to another in our series of Kehillat Israel podcasts. This is a recording of Rabbi Amy Bernstein's weekly Friday morning Torah study. We are in the first year now of a triennial cycle. We just finished year three. Um, of the triennial cycle. So from now on, when we say this is what the, par- the portion is, you'll know to start right at the first sentence of that parsha. So that means that we are starting at Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. And we also know how all the stories end. Okay. And we, now we know how all the stories end. If you've been learning this past year, if you didn't learn with us this past year, it's going to take you three years to learn how all the stories <laughs> And we'll be reading the first third of each portion so that we stay on the lectionary with the rest of the Jewish world. Um, all right, so Bray Sheets. Let's look at Bray Sheets. Uh, who's near the microphone who wants to read? When God was about to create heaven and earth, the earth was a chaos, unformed, and on the chaotic water's face, there was darkness. Then God's spirit glided over the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. And when God saw how good the light was, he divided the light from the darkness. God then called day, and called darkness night, and there was evening, and there was morning. The, the, here it says the first day, I would say, one day. Okay. So, so give me the English of your um, starting place, where you started. Huh? When God. When God what? Was about to create. Okay. So when God was about to create. Does somebody else have a different translation? A different version? Okay. I could think of a better. So how, give me another one. I would do it, since it's about, I would put it in the beginning of God creating heaven and earth. Okay. In the beginning of God creating heaven and earth. Thank you so much, Train. We're not giving anybody a preview. Thank it doesn't mean it's the, the creation of everything. It's just of our heaven and earth. Okay. So my translation says when God began to create heaven and earth. What, why, why, why this like difficulty in translation? Um, because this doesn't say... Like God started, and then here's what happened. It's not boom. It's not boom, and then here's what sequentially happens after that. Breshit is a construct, and so it's a hard. It's hard to really translate what that word is trying to say. Rashi is very clear, very clear that it does not mean this is the beginning. Rashi's very clear about that. That. If you would think that you're a simpleton, right? It, it, and so, partly, why is this a problem? Like, why do people focus so much on this? Why, who cares? Beginning, in the beginning, sort of at the beginning, maybe at the beginning, in the middle of the beginning. What? Why is this such an issue? Because it's the opening. Well, in this translation, where it says when God was about, so that implies intent. It implies the time before and making a decision to do something. That's number one. Number two, I think it says there was an earth before he created an earth. And he, he created order out of chaos. For me, that really 
allows me to put our our modern scientific cosmology yes. okay with this. I can still accept Big Bang theory, and I don't think we have to go with the Earth starting 5,700 years ago. Nice. So the the problem is we have some stuff before we have creation. So if this is sequential, we already have a problem because we have Aretz, we have Earth, and we have Choshech, and we have Tehom, the deep, as we're going to see, right? So there's already stuff around before Reshit, before beginning. So if this is the, the, in time, the starting point, we already have some problems. So happily, Bereshit doesn't mean at the very beginning and then go from there, right? And some scholars want to say, well, it can't because we already have Aretz. So, so obviously, Bereshit doesn't mean at the very beginning, talking in a linear fashion. Um, but I think the thing, Harvey, you just said is really important also is that it also acknowledges that there is a beginning we don't read about. There's a beginning we don't see here. And that allows us to go, ah, right? We can, we can put in, like before this big bet, we can put in big bang, right? The bet of the big bang, um, if we want, right? So it, it, it does create an opening that doesn't say, you know, this is, th- this is the moment it starts, and then here's what, you know, in a linear fashion flows from there. Mm-hmm. From where do we start calculating time? We're in the year 57. From creation. Okay, so so we're saying there was a beginning. In- right, it's not, that, it's not that things didn't exist. I mean, th- there was a time when what we know didn't exist. Mm-hmm. And this is addressing some of that, not all of that, I guess is what I'm trying to say, right? This, Genesis is addressing some of it, but not the very, okay. the very, very, very beginning of the whole business of creation. But we date, date in air quotes, creation fifty-seven, you know, whatever it is, to the creation of the world. That, uh, from the Orthodox perspective, my understanding is that fifty-seven eighty is uh, when a soul got put into human beings. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. Okay. No, that was 57. It all, I mean, you know, if we're going to go with a literal translation, that all happened the same week. So really, 57, it's all happening in the same week. So what is a day? That, that is an apologist perspective, but that's fine. I was just repeating something. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's okay. It's okay. That that perspective is out there for sure. For sure, for sure. That but that perspective's out there. Reconstructionism kind of leaves it shady as to the beginning. Reconstructionism doesn't need Genesis to be talking science. Right. And Genesis Genesis by PS Genesis is not here to talk about how the world got here. That is not why we have this story. This story is not about how the world got here. You, if you're going to tell the grand narrative of the Jewish people becoming a people, you have to start setting the scene. And setting the scene is you've got to have a world for that to happen in. And so here's the world. Genesis is not interested in how the world got here. So you're setting the stage. Yes, this is setting the stage. You've got to have earth. You've got to have 
firmament. You gotta. Ha- There's some stuff you gotta have if you want to have Abraham lech lechaying. If you want Abraham to leave, you gotta have some stuff, right? And this is the stuff you gotta have. Why do I say that? Because too often we we focus on the facts of the creation narrative when that is not its interest, right? It just. It's just not. We, we get interested in how does that match with what we think, and, do, 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 and is a day really an eon? Then you can make this work. Genesis doesn't care about any of that. All of this is setting the stage. Yes, Sarah. The way this is leaves room for us to play with and be interested in a lot of scientific Stuff. Correct. Yeah. Correct. There's room be- just because of the way it's written. Right. They can coexist and we have lots of room. Okay. So the good news is we don't have to apologize for this. Like even if it does tell us that it took a week. Okay. Whatever. It was 5,700 years. Whatever. We don't, we don't have to apologize for it. It is what it is. All right. So let's, but let's look at what it does say because it does matter a little bit what our cosmology as represented here says. It says that there was some kind of beginningness, right? And that Elohim is the one doing the bara'ing. Bara means what? Create. Create. All right. So when we're talking bara, we're talking there's nothing that bara uses in order to have something exist. That word is yotzer, to form, right? Bara is create, so meaning there's not something else that is being used to make whatever's coming. And the only one who can bara is Elohim, is God. So in, this, in some kind of beginningness, Elohim barad the Shemayim, the heavens, and Haaretz, the earth. But the earth was tohu vavohu, was cosmic ooze. We don't know what tohu vavohu is because we, we, are, we exist post tohu vavohu, right? All right. So the earth is tohu vavohu, whatever that is, primordial something. The choshech al home and darkness is on the face of the deep. <clears throat> so we have deep. The deep is here. The ruach Elohim and, a, and the spirit, <sighs> the wind of Elohim, merachefet al hamayim is is hovering over the water. Now what happens? God speaks. God speaks. Vayomer Elohim. Yehi or Vayihi or. So here's this, this situation. Who knows how long that's been going on? But there's the situation. Out of that situation, all of a sudden, Yehi or. The divine speaks, light exists, and light existed. This is the first that we have of watching the action. Who knows what's been going on, right? For how long it's been going on. This is the first moment. We just get the situation as it is before this moment. And the moment that we're entering the text is yehi or. Light exists. And light existed. 
What's, so God speaks. That's the first act of, that we see of creation is God's speaking light into God ordering light to exist. And it exists, all of a sudden. Vayar Elohim et or kitov. What is the next thing God does? God sees. Vayar. God sees the light. And then what does God do? God, God sees the light. It is good. And God judges. Yes. God has an opinion. Right away. Here's light. God sees the light. Kitov sees that it is good. This raises a literary question, too. Who's the narrator of this story? Because somebody's telling this story, and it's kind of like if a tree falls in the forest and there's no one there, who's going to hear it? If this is all happening and there's nobody there, who's recording it? What does the tradition tell us? God tells us. Says God. God dictates the Torah to Moshe. Of course. All right. So, right, it's a fairly reliable narrator in that case, right? Like about what's happening here. God sees the orkitov that it's good. What is the next thing God does? So God speaks. God sees. God judges, and then vayavdel. God differentiates. Vayavdel Elohim ben Haor uven Hachoshech. God differentiates between light and darkness. Then what does God do? Vayikra Elohim laor yom. God God names the the or the light day and names the darkness night. And there was evening, and there was morning, one day. All right. So this, we already get a bunch of stuff happening here in this one act of creation. We're, we're learning something about what's important. We're learning speech creates, and if speech creates, we can assume speech also does what? destroys so right from the first thing we see about creation speech creates we can assume then speech destroys we learn that God looks God sees and God assesses and assesses that things are good and then in order to bring the universe further into formation further into existence God must differentiate start pulling things apart yeah all right this is this is going to continue through the rest of the story of creation this is what happens speech assessing naming is important calling something what it is calling the or yom and calling the choshech Lila, right? Calling light day, calling dark night. Naming is important. Who else is going to be an imitatio dei and name stuff soon? Hmm? Adam. Adam. Adam, the earthling, is going to name all the creatures, right? Imitating the divine. All right, but we're not there yet.
Let's go a little further. God then said, let the waters bring forth swarms of living creatures. Wait, what? What? Six. Yes, like a bunch. <laughs> it's going fast here. You got it. We got to think. Oh. oh. Sorry. God then said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it divide water from water. So God made the expanse, separating the waters beneath the expanse from the waters above the expanse. And so it was. God then called the expanse sky, and there was evening, and there was morning, a second day. Okay, so God, what is God doing now? Here's my, you all know what a fantastic artist I am. So there is my beautiful representation of mine, water, yeah? Because according to our text and according to ancient cosmology, that's what there is. We've got Aretz, and we've got to home the deep. Um, we don't know exactly what that means at this point. It's Tohu Vavohu. The earth is Tohu, the, the Aretz. I don't want to say earth exactly. Um, the the Firmament. No, no. The Aretz, the land, is Tohu Vavohu. Is something we don't know, right? Unformed and void is what you usually hear. Okay, whatever. So we got Aretz, but we don't know, but it's not in our form the, the way we know it yet. No, but it says it was about the creator in the first sentence, so there wasn't even Earth. Well, well, we don't, we don't know. We don't know. We, all, we start where there's aretz. When we start, there's land. But it's tohu vavohu. Okay, but I don't want to linger on that. I, I want to move on from there. So, because um, this, this, <laughs> I did listen to one podcast. It goes very fast. All right. So, um, so, so God. Wh- what do we know? There's now we're on day two, and what happens now? To read for me the text again. What does God do, Susan? Um, it divides the water from the water. Divides the water from the water. And we got words like above and below, didn't we? Mm-hmm. Yes. We got that language. So divides the waters from the waters and divides between the waters that's up and the waters that are down. Firmament. Hmm. Uh, um, so talk to me firmament is here right for those of you at home it's the upper it's the boundary of the upper waters is the firmament what happens with the lower waters what does the text tell us there is an expanse in the midst of the water that it may separate water from water. God made the, this is rakia, this is the expanse, and it separated that which was below from the water that was above, and God called the expanse sky. That's all we have right now. So sky holds up the water that's up here. Okay? Can we assume that they knew 
uh, or intuited that uh, the water above in the firmament were clouds? Mm-mm. No, the water that's above the firmament is rain. There's water up there. That's But right, the, so the the firmament, the sky holds the water from coming down. Because once upon a time, it was all water. Okay. So now the sky is going to hold up some water. Now what happens? Susan? There was evening. Okay, go, go to nine. God then said, let the waters beneath the sky be collected in one place so that the dry ground may be seen. And so it was. And God called the dry ground earth and called the collected waters seas. And when God saw how good it was, God said, let the earth grow vegetation, seed-bearing plants, fruit trees on the earth that bear fruit, each true to its type with its seeds in it. And so it was. The earth brought forth vegetation, seed-bearing plants, each true to its type, and trees bearing fruit, each true to its type and with its seeds in it. And God saw how good it was. And there was evening, and there was morning, a third day. Okay, so God is going to cause some water below to recede and collect into a a place called a sea. Yes? Yes. The oceans, the sea. Okay, and what, what... what remains once that water moves is what? Dry land. Dry land. All right. So there's waters above that get that get held in place, separated from the waters below by the sky, and then some water pulls away from land so that you can have dry land. And then presumably, what's down here? Water. Yes, under the dry land is water. Because if you dig, right, you hit, at some point you hit water. So ancient cosmology is that there are waters above, there are waters below. Creation exists in between them. Creation exists in between the upper waters and the lower waters. Ancient cosmology is all about telling the story about how that happens. So in a neighboring culture, the goddess Tiamat exists. She's the creatrix, right? You have to have a goddess to bring the world and to birth the world, of course, right? Only these crazy Israelites don't have a goddess because it's just silly to think about there being creation without a goddess to birth it it's just silly okay so that's what we have Um, but in a neighboring culture the goddess Tiamat exists until of course a boy god comes along and does what any guesses kills her kills her (laughs) of course Of course. So a boy god comes along and kills Tiamat and cuts her body in half. Half of her body holds up the upper waters and half of her body holds down 
the lower waters. What culture is this? Mesopotamia, in Mesopotamia. Um, so, um, so when we have the Choshech al Tehom, that darkness was over the face of Tehom, the deep, possibly a remnant of a neighboring creation, an older creation story. Tehom Timat, right? So she's there. She's just lost her divine status. She's now just the deep, if you will. If I remember my uh, college uh, religious thought course, yes, um, <laughs> uh, like an elephant, um, there were a number of cultures back then Oops. that had a similar kind of creation story, not just uh, yeah. The Mesopotamian. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, forming human beings out of mud, all that stuff is very, there's lots of similarities um, between many of those st- early stories. Part of the Gilgamesh story? Gilgamesh, right. These are all the, these are all the neighboring uh, religious traditions. Does Tehom also mean seed? seeds? Seeds? Mm-mm. All right. So, so what, but what's going to happen on the dry land is that it is going to, what, bring forth, right, vegetation, seed-bearing plants, fruit trees, right, with their seed in it, um, and that's what happens. And God, what does God have to say about that business? It's good. It's good. And it's interesting that the seeds are only for that fruit, for that tree. It's already separating... Uh, what do they call it in science? Species. Species. Yeah. So we're, so we're getting all, all of creation is about differentiation. Right. Is about separation. separation. So when we get the Noah story, when we're going to get the dissolution of all of this business, how does that happen? This goes away, and this goes away. And those cosmic waters come back together and obliterates everything. So the Noah story makes a lot of sense if you understand ancient Near Eastern cosmology. That if you want all of that this to go away, you undifferentiate between the upper waters and the lower waters. All right, so 14, Susan? God then said... Let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate day from night, to be markers for sacred seasons, for days and years, and to be lights in the expanse of the sky, spilling light upon the earth. And so it was. Thus God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night and the stars. God set them in the sky's expanse to spill light upon the earth, to govern the day and the night, to separate light from darkness, and God said how good it was, and there was evening and there was morning, a fourth day. Okay, so we get now the two great lights, the greater light, which is the what? And that's going to govern the day, and the lesser light, which is the moon, moon. <laughs> and the stars are going, is going to govern the night. So the two light, there's lovely midrashim about the sun and the moon, and the moon is jealous of the sun, and and is 
is like all that and so God diminishes the moon and has less light because the moon whatever so there are all these lovely midrashim about how we get why we have a big light and a small light why we have the great sun and the little moon right um, but the moon gets rewarded with being the one to set the months right and Rosh Chodesh and all that and women will celebrate Rosh Chodesh and mark Rosh Chodesh so don't worry the moon gets something anyway all right so if we're just getting sun and moon of course the question is how did we have Erev and Boker evening and morning before this good question that is an excellent question right so how do we have and how do we have light and dark if we don't have sun how do we have light and how do we have vegetation before we have any solar energy Mm -hmm. right heat or something to make things grow certainly in the ancient world they knew the sun had something to do with things growing because if you put it in the dark it dies so clearly they are not interested in a sequential explanation so anyone who wants to tell you this is really about the order of things getting created they're not they weren't idiots Right? They, they weren't stupid people. This is not really worried about the exact order of creation, obviously. So, right. what was the reason for this? Yeah. Arbitrary. Kaha. So it is. Tell me more. So, so that is one important thing to remember that this story is created by a certain group of people who had certain relationships to certain things, and so it's it's told from their understanding of how the universe is. And Mema, what I hear you saying is that day and night are immediate to human beings. So that would have been first. I think it makes sense in the, from the Orthodox perspective as well. Even if God said, said all these things to us, uh, he would probably want us to understand it immediately. That's why he said it this way. Okay, so for Mehmet, it makes sense that day and night are immediate. We experience it. You know, it's one of the closest things to us, this idea of cyclic time. And so maybe during the day, the sun gets put in the daytime. It's not that the sun causes daytime. Do you hear what he's saying? We, we, we are stuck in our contemporary Western milieu when we look at any kind of literature. This is mythology. This is cosmology as, as, as written by people who had a different relationship <coughs> to texts. It wasn't a text, by the way. It was an oral tradition. It was stories you told around the campfire. So for them, what I hear Mehmet saying is, okay, it's daytime, and there's there's daytime and nighttime, and that order of things is created first. The sun gets put in the daytime, and the moon gets put in the nighttime. It's not necessarily that the sun causes the day. God causes the day. God causes the night. Then God assigns a heavenly body to govern each of those. Yeah? 
So we, we just have to kind of check our own tendencies when we're trying to appreciate this, any of these stories, right, on their own uh, terms. All right, so then we get, so now we've got these great lights in the sky. One is assigned to be there in the daytime, and one is assigned to be part of the nighttime. And then what does God say at verse 20? Susan? God then said, let the waters bring forth swarms of living creatures, and let the birds fly over the earth across the face of the expanse of the sky. God then formed the great sea monsters and every living creature that creeps with which the waters swarm, all true to their types, and every winged bird, each true to its type, and God saw how good it was. God then blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the waters of the seas, and let the birds multiply in the earth. And there was evening, and there was morning, a fifth day. Okay, so you can't have creation without sea monsters. Um, so so we're getting like different kinds of life right coming from water uh, and the birds who are going to be multiplying on the earth and when these creatures uh, are brought forth uh, what does God say to them so first God says bring what your water bring forth all this stuff then that happens. God sees it, and what does God call it? Good, right? Kitov. And then, what is the first thing God does to living creatures? What is the first thing God does to living creatures? Blesses them. God's response to the toveness of living things is to bless them. God didn't do that with the seeds and the, and the fruit and the grass, right? When we get living creatures, God sees that they are tov, that they are good, and the immediate divine response is to bless them. It's another separation. And how, what is the blessing? So that God blesses them, and God's blessing is keep going. Do more of y'all. Do more chimpanzeeing. Do more storking. Do more parroting, right? Do more of this. It is tov. This is good. Do more of it. That is the bracha. That is the blessing. But in terms of vegetation, uh-huh. um, God does say how good it is. Oh, of course. But he doesn't. God's pronouncement on every single thing that gets created is that it is tov. It is good. Once we have living creatures, there's a new divine response. It is tov, and God is moved to bless living creatures. So God is, it, it seems God is impacted differently by life. So, of course, uh, every judgment about what God creates is good. Because I don't think it would read well if they said, and then God created blah, blah, and felt really bad. No, I disagree. I completely disagree. Yes, God created spiders and went, ick. 
Where does it say that? I, right, I disagree. I think there are some things that, I don't know about you, God created scorpions and went, ah, right, like it, so there are some things in the created world that, right, that I can imagine the authors of the story not thinking is so great, but that is not what we have. They choose instead to call everything Tove. Right? I mean, I might have said, you know, God created cancer and went, ah, darn. Right? That's not what we have. What we have is Kitov. It's all good. Why do we need what? Okay, so let's flip the question, not why does God... So why do the authors of this story need God to pronounce Kitov over everything? It's pride. Hmm? Is it pride? Pride? God's pride? Yes. God God is proud. Successful of, of what is happening. So why do the authors of the story need God to be proud? Validation. It, it's, it's the humanness in the authors. Because they're proud? Well, because they're attributing. Because, because if God is saying the vegetation is good and the animals are good and the humans are good, that's telling us human beings that God is valuing these creations and don't we go mess it up? Okay. It is a statement about every aspect of the created world being good. So you don't get to say spiders ick, right? Without thinking about that for a second. You just destroyed Tove. You just destroyed something that's good. So be very careful human beings about what you do with my created world that is all Tove. All of it is Tove. You human beings start deciding this is good, that's bad, that's a weed. Kill that. Where's my squirty thing, right? With Roundup. That's a weed. That's a plant. That person's different than I am. That person is darker than I am. That person is not Tove. This is a whole so they're setting it up right at the beginning. Saying Correct. That it's a different, totally different narrative. So the worldview is that when, before we mess it up, everything is tov. Right? There is no slave and master and weed and flowers that are good. It, it is all vegetation. It is all tov. That is their understanding of perfection, of Edenic paradise. It's all equally good, and, and it is assessed by the divine as such. What's going to happen after that is a disaster that we create, that we make happen because we are given the capacity to choose. So all life is, is I don't want to say good, all life is equal in the, um, the faith, in this eyes or in God's view. All life. Yes. Vegetables, plants, human beings, animals, teeth, you know, octopus, 
viruses? Whales, yes. All living. All good. No judgment. No judgment. Well, there is a judgment. The judgment is it's good. It is all good, Sarah. It is the creative, the act of creation that is good and contains all kinds of possibilities. So it seems, yes, God's experience of creation is good. Yes. And so is It's a good thing. Hmm? And so is ours. And so is ours. When we imitate God and create, it is good. All right. Not by that the tiger tears huh? lamb apart. Oh, 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 wait, 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 that, that is not here. That is not here. The lamb and the tiger are hanging out together. They're playing. Yes, but it marks, it marks our own experience. No, it doesn't. How did that happen? How did the tiger and the lamb being enemies happen? Well, tigers are tigers. No, not according to our story. They're hanging out together. Everybody's friends. The Garden of Eden. The Garden of Eden. What happens? Ah. What happens to explain the world we live in is human capacity to choose. And we chose. Now the lion and the lamb are enemies. Now, right, but not the way it was created. We did that. God wanted this. It's all good. Everybody's happy. Everybody's playing together. But that's still our goal, the lion and the lamb. Oh, yeah, yeah, all right. All right, look at 24. Okay. God then said... Let the earth bring forth living creatures of every type, domestic animals and creeping things and wild animals, each true to its type, and so it was. Thus God made the wild animals each true to its type, and the domestic animals each true to its type, and every creature that creeps on the ground each true to its type. And God saw how good it was. God now said, let us make human beings in our image after our likeness. And let them hold sway over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, over the beasts, over all the earth, over all that creeps upon the earth. So God created the human beings in the divine image and creating them in the image of God, creating them male and female. God then blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and tame it. Hold sway over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and over every animal that creeps on the earth. And God said, Look, I have given you all the seed-bearing plants on the face of the earth and every tree that has in it seed-bearing fruit. These are yours to eat. And to every land animal and to every bird of the sky and to all that creeps on the earth in which is the breath of life, I give all green vegetation for food. And so it was. God then surveyed all that God had made and looked, and look, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. Okay. So we get some animals, yeah? Mm-hmm. And we get some goats and we get some sheep and we get some zebras. and we Right? So we get both the wild stuff and the domesticated stuff. And then... After some of that happens, some more of that, and the fish and the birds, all this life 
um, that's good, that's wonderful, then God isn't finished. All right, so what is God, what's God going to do now? Correct. You think they would put that in there if it wasn't in the Hebrew? Because it's problematic. Yes, yes. Oh, okay. All right. All right, all right, all right. right, right. 27. Uh, Right? 26. No, thank you. Where are we? 26? All right. 26. Vayomer Elohim. And Elohim says, Naaseh Adam Bitsalmenu. Let us make earthling. What is what is ground? Earth in Hebrew? Adama. 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 So let us make Adam. Let us make earth earth thing. But it's a living earth thing. Okay? Let us make Adam earth thing. Bitsalmenu. In our, wait, I keep losing my place, sorry. Bitsalmenu, in our image, kidmutenu, in our likeness. Okay, so the big question is, who is our? our? Who is we? All right, so what are some possibilities? The royal we, okay? Except there is no royal we in Hebrew. That is an English custom. The angels. The angels. Okay. The gods, the gods lower case, G? Excuse me? Well, I mean, the, 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 the Israel, no, the Hebrews, they, they took their gods with them when they traveled. So maybe this is, this is a remnant Ah, okay. You scared me for a minute there. Gods, what are you talking right? Are you a heretic? Okay, a remnant, possibly a remnant of a polytheistic story. All the gods are combined now into Elohim. Elohim is a plural noun. You'll notice, right? Elohim is plural. So all the gods are now in Elohim. So maybe this is a remnant from when it wasn't all put together in one Elohim that there were many gods. So possibly a remnant, possibly the angels. George? That God has two parts, male and female parts, and he created a male and uh, he now this. Beautiful. Beautiful, George. Maybe Demutenu, our image, is male and female. Because that is what we get in Genesis 1. What are y'all used to? Y'all are used to Genesis 2. It's not here. It's not here. That Adam is created and Eve is taken from his side is not here. That's Genesis 2. This is Genesis 1, a completely different creation narrative than Genesis 2. All right? So written by two different... Two different traditions. Yeah. 100%. There are two different traditions. Amy, isn't it possible... Can we look at this? This is where God creates primacy of the human being, the dominion of yes. the world. Yes, yes. And that's a huge issue because that motivates all of our views of man being created in the image of God. 
So we have issues of <clears throat> do we save the animal that's drowning versus the kid? We save the human. Yes, we do. Right. It's written by humans. This is, where we, this is where it's created. <laughs> yeah, and this is written by humans who were going to save the kid instead of the puppy. Right. Oh, that's a horrible, horrible. Thanks for that, David. Um, so um, that's the rest of the day. I'm not going to be able to get rid of that. Yeah, it depends on the kid, says Judith. Okay, so um, yeah, so this is written by human beings who, sees it, who see themselves at the top of the pyramid, right? Um, so what's the problem with this being angels? We don't really believe in Well, we do, but what's the problem with this being angels? The us, the we. There's a couple of problems. That they would be on the same level. Because they didn't get created. Oh, that's right. It doesn't say God created angels. So if God didn't create angels and they're already there and creation is happening, let us make human beings in our image. Now you have co-creators with God. You can't have that. You cannot have that. So for the rabbis... They're like, you shouldn't think that, God forbid, that the angels are creating with God. God is creating by God's self, but God is being polite. (laughs) (laughs) And God doesn't want to just do it without checking with the angels, because they should feel, they get a little kavod, they get a little respect. So God says, essentially, shall we make the human being in our image shall we and they say well of course not (laughs) but that's another story right so the angels never want human beings around um ever so but but god is being polite say the rabbis in talking to the angels in creating uh human beings in uh the divine image whatever it is we have god creating adam here right um, giving Adam dominion. And in verse 27, God creates the earthling, Ha-Adam. What is Ha-The? The Adam. This is how we know it's not a proper name. God creates the Adam, Bitsalmo, in its image, meaning in God's image. Bitsalem Elohim bara. Oto, in the image of God, did God create it? Meaning the Adam. Zachar unekeva bara otam. Male and female, God created them. Well, if Adam is male and female, and Adam is created in the image of God, then Correct. If there, if Adam is created male and female and in the image of God, it must mean, it has to mean, it can only mean that God is Zahar and Nekeva. God is masculine and feminine. God is male and female. At the same time. So that so this is what George was saying. The hour is Zahar and Nekeva. What's the plural of the divine? The masculine and the feminine. The male and the female of God. There's no problem with that in Genesis 1. That's how it is. 
And most of us would go, well, duh, right? But what's gotten popularized is Genesis 2. This came first. This is put first. Then we get another version, <laughs> right? But the first one, the original is Zachar unekevah bara'utam. Male and female, God created them. This makes sense because it's paradise. There is no inequality in paradise. And what are they supposed to eat, by the way? Vegetables. Vegetables. They're supposed to eat plants. They are not supposed to eat meat. They're not supposed to eat other living things. Other animal. Other animal. There's difference in our Torah between vegetation and life, we saw, right, that God blesses life and says, pru or vu, be fruitful and multiply, which is what God is going to say to the Adam as well, right, to the earth thing as well. But they're supposed to eat vegetation because that's Eden. That's paradise. That's the way it's supposed to be. This is the way it's supposed to be. This was God's vision. This is God's version of what the world is, but we got the whole rest of the book because because God does something interesting. What does God do? What does God say? Gives us free will. Huh? Uh, that it's very good. Yeah, but what does God say to the human? Be fruitful and multiply. That's their first order of business, the first thing they have to do. What screws all of this up? We get a choice. God says to the human, of every tree in the garden you may eat, except God did all this. God screwed it all up. The minute God said, except. Why? Why say accept? Why not say, okay, you have all the trees of the garden to eat. Go be, go be fruitful. Okay. That would be a great story. It was a test. But that's not what happens. God says, accept. That tree. Of that tree, you may not eat. So Rabbi Kushner says, we have perfection. We have perfection. And we, had we left it there, it would be perfect. Everything is perfect. But that's not the story we have. That's not the story we wrote, because that's not the world we live in. So we can't tell a story that ends there, because we have lions and lambs tearing each other to pieces. So we have to explain that. What is the explanation? God doesn't choose perfection. Because that's not the world we live in. So what, what does God choose instead of perfection? Choice. God chooses choice instead of perfection. So, so what's, lean into that a little harder. Choice, okay, so who cares? Why is that such a big deal? What, is God, what does God make happen? Choice, but what does that mean about what God wants? God wants us to choose good. But don't we already innately know? To 
you choose good. What's the tree we ate from? Evil. By the way, the knowledge, it's not just knowledge. What is it? The knowledge of what? Good and evil. That's what we ate. We ate something that gave us the capacity to discern between good, tov, and ra, bad. That's what happened. And because of that, we have everything that we have, the world that we actually live in, reality as we know it. Why would God allow that? Why would God set that up? Says Rabbi Harold Kushner, because God wants our choice to be good. Otherwise, it's perfect. But is God interested in perfection? Clearly not. Or God wouldn't have put that tree there smack in the middle of the garden and say, don't eat of that one. It is clear that what God seems to be more interested in in our version of the creation story is human, the capacity for human beings to choose to be good. And that without that choice, it's perfect, but it's not good. We're we, we have to choose to be good. That is the purpose of putting that tree in the center. But if we have to choose, then it's not. It's, if we have to choose good, then we don't have a choice. Correct. That's why God puts that tree in the middle and says, don't eat of that one. We interpret it then as this major opportunity for free will in essence. And isn't this what's referred to by others as the original sin? Um, yes. So so the eating violates God's will, God's order not to eat. So that is for some people, right, the original breach that humanity makes with the divine, yes. And that's our story. We wrote that. That's our story, right? It's not just them. Like we, we, that's our narrative, is that we breached the divine command not to eat. And therefore, lost access to Eden, say some people. Other people want to say that is not what lost us Eden. What lost us Eden? When God goes to the human who is now ashamed of being a room, naked, and God says, Huh, why are you ashamed? Why are you ashamed? Well, what's with the fig leaves? <laughs> and Adam says, I'm naked. And God says, really? Have you been near that tree that I told you not to eat from? Because how do, why all of a sudden? Is there a judgment about being naked and a room? Now it's judged as being bad. The only way you could know that, Adam, is if you've been having a little nibble from a little tree that I told you to stay away from. Have you been eating from that tree, possibly? And what does Adam say? 
That woman you gave me, that woman you made, she made me eat it. So then God goes to Chava, God goes to Eve and says, so is this true? What have you, what, what's happening here? Really? And what does Eve say? That serpent thing made me, tricked me into doing it. Says part of our rabbinic tradition, that is the moment they lost Eden. It wasn't the eating. Weakness of women. No. No. What is it? It's not accepting responsibility for what you do. It's blaming women. That's the problem. That's the sin. Blaming her. That is the sin. That's the moment paradise collapses and human beings are kicked out. The original sin is that we didn't take responsibility. We blamed someone else. You now have to go and do this. <laughs> right? You now have five more books that you're going to have to live through because you refused to take responsibility. So clearly, human beings have a long way to go once they eat from that tree. They have a long way to go to become an Amkadosh of holy people. They have a long way to go before they are a nation of priests, before they are or lagoyim, a light unto the nations. And I don't want to be a downer here, but we still have a long way to go. So our, our opportunity, our obligation, fulfilling our, our destiny as human beings is to figure out how to choose good in this moment and this moment, and this moment, and how to take responsibility and quit blaming everything else for our choices, for our decisions. And then, say the rabbis, we can recapture Eden. So may it be, bim harabia, menu speedily, and in our day, a good Shabbos. Amen. You've been listening to Rabbi Amy Bernstein's Friday Morning Torah Study from Kehillat Israel in Pacific Palisades, California. For more information, go to our website, www.ourki.org.